Suicide Zen Forgiveness, the pod that shares the stories of those affected by suicide. Lost a loved one? Attempted it yourself? Did you know that when you share a burden, the load is lightened? Come listen in with your host, Elaine Lindsay. Suicide Zen Forgiveness, the podcast, is for education only. Some of the subject matter could be triggering for those that are newly grieving or in a poor state of mental health. Please call your local suicide hotline or mental health office if you need immediate help. Action is the antidote to despair. So this is my action to break the cycle of despair as I see it. Well, within my own mind, my life. I'm told hope is defined as a feeling of expectation and desire about a result. (laughs) It's kind of interesting. Despair is defined as a lack of hope or a lack of such a feeling of expectation and desire about a result. It seems kind of, I don't know, iffy to me. It doesn't really explain an awful lot to me. See, I want to understand and map a way out of despair. Because it seems for some of us, despair and its opposite, which is of course hope. Well, it's like a continuous roller coaster in my life. I'm constantly going up and down on this roller coaster from one to the other. And don't get me wrong, I love roller coasters, but sometimes it can be a bit much. You see, at 16, when my friend took her own life, New Year's Eve 1971, it affected me in ways that it took me decades to come to terms with literally decades. It wasn't until 2013 when I was at a weekend workshop and I only attended to support a friend. I I just went to give her some moral support and it's actually the first time I gave voice to my story and I don't know why I did. I just know that Partway through, the right person asked the right question. You know, it opened the floodgates um, to an extent. Yeah, it was it was raw, it was real, it was probably really disjointed, and it was a, an awful lot for people to hear. However. That very first telling was almost devoid of emotion. It felt like I was listening to somebody else tell the story. In looking back, I do know that there was a definite undercurrent of anger that seemed to seep through in places. But back to that desperation hope cycle or ride, I guess I'll call it. I really used to think I was the only one who felt this way. 
know, I, I tended to keep my inner feelings to myself, and I have talked about that in other podcast episodes. Uh, it's kind of funny that the first thing that people say about their situation is often that they're sure the only, they're the only one that feels that way or that has that quirk or that pain or that well whatever it is you know i didn't have a name for it i wouldn't have thought of either extreme anything as extreme as despair or hope to be honest i I didn't want to spend a, a nanosecond in any emotion. Emotion equaled pain. And therefore, in my mind, don't feel any emotion and thus no mental pain. Because see, back then, I was in physical pain 24-7. And I didn't have the tools to manage it. Oh, I had the drugs, all right. I had tons and tons of prescriptions that were supposed to help. But I didn't have the tools that I have today to manage that pain. And honestly, I had no time, no interest, <laughs> no bandwidth to even consider adding emotion to the mix. I shut that door when I turned 16 and Andrea died. It's important for me to note that I now have a whole toolbox filled with meditations and mindfulness and visualizations that really afford me the freedom from that cornucopia of drugs that I used to ingest to try to get some relief. Now, I can, I can hear it that some people are kind of chuckling that, wow, how naive am I? How simplistic? How very, I don't know, is it one-dimensional or two-dimensional? Thinking that I could live fully that way. So, these are my thoughts today. After a lot of research, I started actually by looking into AI. And I thought, you know what? We all have perspective. If you ask any human, you're going to get a different answer to an awful lot of questions. We perceive everything through our own filters. And each and every one of us feels pain differently. You know that whether you lose a limb or whether you have a stubbed toe or hangnail, if that's in fact the worst pain you've ever felt, then it can be debilitating. It can be the end-all be-all for you. And none of us can say differently because see, that's your perspective. They've not found a way to truly map pain or how much we can tolerate, or whether your tolerance is the same as my tolerance or not. They just don't know. So I wanna share what 
ChatGPT offered me, and uh, I'll add my little bits in there as well. So the first thing I did was ask the AI, what is despair? I'm going to read you the answer. It says, despair is a feeling of utter hopelessness and discouragement. It is a sense of being overwhelmed by negative emotions and a lack of confidence in one's ability to improve a situation. Despair can lead to feelings of sadness, depression, and even a loss of the will to live. It is often associated with difficult life events such as the loss of a loved one, financial problems, health problems, or relationship difficulties. However, it can also result from a more general sense of disillusionment with life, the world, or oneself. It is important to seek help if you're feeling overwhelmed by despair, as it can be a serious mental health issue that can impact one's quality of life. I have to say, I was really taken aback by how truly accurate that is. I probably looked up 20 or 30 different sites from psychology to self-help forums, and it's all similar. The wording is a little more succinct from the AI, and a couple of the psychology places had a little more in-depth answers. But that really gave me uh, what I wanted to know. So the next thing I asked was, how long does an emotion last? Because despair is an emotion. Hope is an emotion. And here's the answer. The length of time an emotion lasts can vary depending on a number of factors. That's pretty non-committal. Including the intensity of the emotion, the individual's ability to regulate their emotions, and the events or circumstances that triggered the emotion. Typically, emotions are experienced as intense and fleeting experiences, lasting anywhere from a few seconds to several minutes. However, the after effects of an emotion can persist and influence a person's thoughts and behaviors for much longer, sometimes even for days or weeks. For example, after experiencing a traumatic event, a person may continue to feel anxious or depressed for an extended period of time. Similarly, intense emotions such as anger or grief can linger and continue to impact a person's thoughts and behaviors even after the initial emotional response has subsided. It is important to note that while emotions are natural and normal experiences, if they persist and interfere with daily life, it may be a sign of a more serious mental health issue and professional help should be sought. I think that's all really good information, but what's really important there is to understand that emotions, just in their natural state, truly do last a few seconds to a few minutes. But here's the problem. Many people who are like me would rather do anything than feel an emotion. 
there were times where I probably would have preferred root canal or surgery without freezing to having emotions. They are that powerful within our minds. Sometimes I think we we exaggerate them inside to the extent that we're so terrified of falling into an emotion and never getting out. You've probably heard someone say, you know, I, I didn't want to start crying because I was afraid I'd never stop. Well, that's physically impossible because eventually your tear ducts will dry up. So that can't actually happen. But I thought I'd go a little further with the AI. And I said, can acknowledging your feelings change your brain? And it said, yes, acknowledging your feelings can change your brain. The process of recognizing and naming your emotions is known as emotion regulation. And it has been shown to have a positive impact on the brain and overall well-being. When you acknowledge your feelings, you activate the prefrontal cortex, the part of the brain responsible for executive functioning, including attention and decision-making. This activation allows you to process and regulate your emotions, reducing their intensity and impact on your thoughts and behaviors. In addition, by acknowledging and expressing your emotions, you can increase activity in the brain's social cognition network, which helps you understand and respond to the emotions of others. This can help improve your relationships and social connections, which in turn can positively impact your mental health. Overall, Acknowledging and regulating your emotions can change the way your brain processes and responds to them, helping to improve your emotional well-being and overall quality of life. So that tells me that when push comes to shove, we have the opportunity to acknowledge our emotions to perhaps redirect them. But most importantly, we have to let ourselves feel them in order for them to move on, in order to let us move on into new emotions, new experiences, whatever else may be ahead of us. And so I went on and asked, what are some quick things you can do to help you ease out of despair? And here's the answer. Here are some things that might help ease feelings of despair. Number one, reach out for support. Talking to a friend, family member, or a mental health professional can provide a much needed outlet for your feelings and can help you gain a different perspective on your situation. Now that's good and very general, but what happens if you're like me? What happens to the people who feel they have to fight their own battles, who feel they shouldn't be sharing the things that aren't great or don't make them comfortable? It isn't always easy to ask for help. 
And that's what we all have to work on. So further, AI said, you need to practice self-care. You want to engage in activities that bring you joy and relaxation, such as exercise, meditation, or hobbies. Taking care of your physical and emotional well-being can help boost your mood and reduce feelings of despair. I mean, that all sounds very sensible. It's not always easy within the moment. This one I really love. Focus on gratitude. Practice gratitude by writing down things you're thankful for in your life. Focusing on the good in your life can help shift your perspective and reduce feelings of hopelessness. Starting a gratitude journal many years ago is what got me on the road to utilizing other tools besides drugs to manage my pain, to manage my attitude, and to reinforce for me all the good things that we have in our lives, even when we have very little. Because there were times where I had very, very little. But there was always something that you could be thankful for, something that you could show gratitude for. It also goes on to say, you can connect with nature. And that's a big one for me. Spending time in nature, whether it be through hiking, gardening, or simply taking a walk, has been shown to have a calming and restorative effect on the mind. Well, first and foremost, I'm going to fess up because I can't do anything without being me. There is no way on God's green earth that I'm going hiking. It also, I don't find hiking relaxing. I'm too busy watching out for spiders and whatever else is in the way that I can't really relax on a hike. I know it works for lots of people, and I think that's wonderful. It's just not for me. Gardening's fun, but I don't live in the kind of climate where I can garden all year round. Going for a walk, that too. Sometimes here, where there's lots and lots of snow and ice, because I have mobility issues, walking can be difficult. So we have to find other ways of managing. I've taken to walking my dog in the house. See, we have kind of a route around the living room, through the dining room, and back through the kitchen. It's like a, a little racetrack. Well, granted, I have a chihuahua. She's very small. So for her, racing around a few times is quite enough. I make sure we do a thousand to fifteen hundred steps as we go around and for somebody with mobility issues that's not too bad. It's a really good way to start the day and gets me focused on her and not me, which I think is a really good thing. The next thing the AI suggested was engaging in mindfulness and I think this is absolutely crucial for everybody. So it says, practice mindfulness by focusing your attention on the present moment. Mindfulness meditation and yoga can help reduce feelings of stress and anxiety and promote feelings of calmness and well-being. And some people wonder, like, what does mindful meditation mean? It can mean as little as focusing on a vase of flowers, uh, watching that bird outside, petting your dog or your cat talking to your children, 
sitting down and playing a game with your children and staying present in the moment. So you're right there with them every step of the way. That's what mindfulness is. It's not, you know, great big practices. And yoga, there's all kinds of yoga. You can even do yoga in a chair if you have mobility issues. Yoga is not for everybody, but you have the option of Tai Chi. There are other things that you can do that will give you that same feeling of, well, wellness, I guess is the word I'm going to use. My word, not the AI's word. The last thing the AI says is seek professional help. If your feelings of despair persist and are affecting your daily life, consider seeking help from a mental health professional who can provide you with personalized strategies for managing your emotions and overcoming despair. Remember, it's important to be kind to yourself and seek help if needed. It is okay to not be okay. And reaching out for support is a sign of strength, not weakness. And that to me is really important. And I love the fact that these AI answers, I really do think they're pretty good. I think we're at a place now where we can more easily reach out and share with someone that everything's not well with us. Everything's not as it should be. And sometimes you just need somebody to listen. And I really believe it's important to make a point of talking about our feelings and emotions and our state of mind. I believe it's even more crucial to get yourself to feel each of those emotions. Emotions really do only last about 90 seconds to a couple of minutes. And really allowing yourself to be in the moment with all of the not so nice or fun emotions too. That means despair, which to me is one of the worst. I think we need to practice staying in touch with your internal self. And I can speak to that now because I was the queen of not feeling emotions, not going there and just walling that place off in myself. It made for physical illness. It made for emotional pain and it caused distance between myself and others because you constantly feel like you're, you know, fighting a battle of one. It really is critically important to make a point of staying in touch with those emotions, with your feelings, to check in with yourself a number of times every day to know where you stand with you. When you find it's all too much, rather than stuffing down the emotion and choking back all your feelings, like I've done it for years, sometimes you just have to wallow. Now that's a term I have used for years, okay? Wallow, not for long. You have to understand that what I mean by wallowing is letting yourself go deep into that emotion. Really let yourself feel it. Let yourself cry and stamp your feet and get a punching bag or whatever you need. And that emotional pain goes away when you go through it. It doesn't hang on and hang in there with you so that you're dragging all that baggage. I believe if you wallow and get right into that emotion 
And then my idea is always to just close your eyes and have a quick nap. When you wake up, in those first few seconds, when you wake up, whether it's from a nap or a full night's sleep, you can choose to be, do, and think anything you want. So why not make it something positive? Be grateful for one small thing right there in that moment. The softness of the blanket that's covering you. Hearing a bird at your window taking that next breath. The fact that when your feet hit the floor, you can feel it. Any little thing that you can choose to be grateful for will start to grow a tiny new seed of hope. And from that, I want you to tell yourself that you accept you just as you are. Because that's the first step to self-love and that's where we have to get. It's the early signpost on the road to self-confidence. <laughs> Here, I'm gonna quote RuPaul who says, if you can't love yourself, then how the hell can you love anybody else? And that's absolutely true. It's all inside you. You can choose to start acting as if you're feeling better. Go into the bathroom and take the time to smile at yourself in the mirror. It's amazing the hormones and endorphins that releases for you and how wonderful it feels. And did you know that when you let yourself wallow in your own feelings, particularly despair, you'll feel more comfortable around other people and their feelings. And this can ultimately help you build bonds with others. It can ease loneliness. Believe me when I say it's never too late to begin a new story for yourself. We have the ability to rebuild ourselves all the time. The choice of how you react in all ways is always yours. So I'm going to leave you with this Viktor Frankl quote. Everything can be taken from a person but one thing, the last of the human freedoms. To choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances to choose one's own way. That's what I hope for you. I want for you to make a choice. Sometimes you have to do it over and over in the day, but make the choice to go on, to be hopeful, to know that something better is coming. It's on the way, if not already here. And in the meantime, I'm Elaine Lindsay. Thank you so much for listening and make the most of your today, every day. I look forward to seeing you next time. I'd really appreciate it if you'd subscribe to the podcast so that you'll know the next time we have an episode. Thank you. 
Thank you for listening. Please subscribe on your favorite service. Suicide Zen Forgiveness was brought to you by Truel Social Media, the digital integration specialists. Let them get you on page one in the search results. And also by Canada's keynote humorist, Judy Kroon, the motivational speaker, comedian, author, and stand-up coach at Second City.